Talk with Ben Tompkins. Oh, baby, this is going to be an all-timer. What's going on? This is Real Talk. I'm Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Nobody Currently, but these are the mixtape days. We're grinding. That's all going to change soon. And you can be a part of that by downloading and rating and reviewing this podcast. Everywhere podcasts are available, I would really appreciate that. I'm really excited. I am I am absolutely... I mean, guys, this trip could not have possibly gone better. It, I mean, there, there's, there's really not many ways that it could have. I'm serious. From start to finish... This trip was absolutely it just it just it just went right. Shit just went right, man. And I I continue to meet people all along this journey that give me inspiration and motivation and that gas that I need to continue going. And I reached a point this weekend where it felt like I would rather be with strangers and meeting people that are giving me good vibes rather than stay in the place that I was staying. It, it, it's, it's overwhelming. It, it's honestly overwhelming. And I, um, I don't know, just coming off of this Nashville trip, it, it seriously, it went awesome. So I can't wait to get into all of it. We're going to be doing something today that I've never, ever done before. And I've never admitted publicly on this podcast until now, which is I tape every single ride. I have an audio recorder that I keep underneath my little center console, and I tape every single ride. And I do that for two reasons. One, because there is no possible way that I could remember each and everything that is said, how it's said, what I discuss with some of these people, and I need a way to come back and be able to transcribe and listen back to what was discussed when we're writing together, and so I can write these stories up. There is no other way to do it. And the second part is just to cover my own ass. That's it. Just to protect myself. Just to be like, no, actually, I didn't say that. Here's what was actually said verbatim. And I know that that might freak somebody out, but just know that again, I'm not here to out anybody. That's not why I do this show. I'm here to bring people together. I'm here to become an excellent storyteller and hopefully entertain and inspire you. That's it. That's it. And what I'm doing with this audio is there's just, there's some things that aren't going to be as funny as it when it happened originally or organically. There's some stuff that you just, you need to hear it from these people. And so uh, again, I'm not going to be using anybody's real name and identifying them. It will be their voice. And just so we're clear, Tennessee, just like Kentucky, is a one-party consent state, meaning as long as I know that I'm taping, then it's totally legal and I can do whatever I want with this audio, okay? So just so we're clear. But I, this is the, this is the, and, 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 and the reason that I'm, <laughs> leading off with this is because I have a couple clips from the weekend that I'm going to use that that just wouldn't be as funny or you wouldn't believe the way that this stuff happens unless you just hear it. So this is kind of like a breakthrough moment for me. This is a new level. I'm being fully transparent with you in that, yeah, I tape every ride. Yes, I do. I, I up until this point, have never done anything with the audio other than just transcribe what was said and then delete it. Um, I'm not here to harm anybody with it. It's just, it adds to the storytelling part of it so much. And the reason being, 
like we're now that the the mask mandate has been lifted for fully vaxxed people, which I am, I'm moving closer and closer now to having a television production crew mic up the back and put little hidden cameras in the back and the front of my car and starting to make this a YouTube stream and asking people for permission, obviously, to show their face. That's different. That's a different thing. You can tape any conversation as long as you know one person, one party knows that it's being taped. You can do whatever you want with that And in most states, okay? There's 11 states that has to be two-party. So if I was doing this in California, I'd have to let people know, hey, by the way, this is being taped, okay? In Tennessee and Kentucky, I don't have to disclose that. It's pretty nice. It's pretty cool. But uh, eventually, I'm going to add a video component of this so that you can see it, so that you can see these people. And it's, 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 it's coming to a, I guess it's just, it's, I'm nearing that date sooner and sooner. And up until this point, you know, uh, wearing the mask and sunglasses during the day, it's like, well, I'm not even going to worry about video editing and the permissions and and all this kind of different stuff when it doesn't do me any good. No one can see my face anyways. And, uh, you know, what's the point, right? Well, now that the mask mandate has been lifted, it's... It's it's time. It's time to to go ahead. I'm saving up money. I need to go ahead and buy a camera and and do this stuff and start adding that into the show. So, with that being said, that's why on this episode I'm being fully transparent and saying, "Hey, I've got this stuff because I want to use some of these clips because that's the direction that this show is headed towards." And also, you know, the thing is, when people ask me, I've I've never lied about that. I I never have. I always am honest with people when they ask, hey, so are, am I being recorded right now? Now, if somebody says, am I being filmed right now? I say, no, you're not, because there is no camera in the car. But if someone's saying, am I being recorded? Or are you taping me? Or how do you get all the stories? Like, how do you remember all that stuff? I, I, I keep it real with people. And, and I've done that privately so many different times and with so many different people saying, yeah, you know what? I do. I, I have a, a little handheld uh, voice recorder. I keep it in the car. And, and there's just no other way that I could possibly do it without that, right? And everyone's like, yeah, I get that, you know? So um, that's, that's why I'm kind of like, hey, you know, it is what it is. But because this is headed in that direction. I just figured, you know what? Why not just go ahead and break the ice? Like I have some really funny clips. I got some 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 really good audio from my riders and from this trip that I want to use. And so why not go ahead and just start doing it? Because that's where we're headed anyways. So let's just go ahead and get, you know, rip the band-aid off with it, right? Um, also, we're gonna be doing something today that is brand new. I've never done this before either, but we are going to be splitting today's episode into two parts. This is such a fat episode. We have so much content from Wednesday to Sunday that there's no other way than to split this up into two parts. It just, it, it's gotta be done. It's gotta be done. So here's how today's gonna go. I will be doing part one today, and part one is going to cover the first half of the trip up until Friday night, and it's gonna include some of the gyms that I got to collab with while I was in town and the stories ranging from a woman who tells me what she discovered about herself when she decided to drop everything and move to Idaho to live on a ranch. I was like, that's really cool. Well, did you find what you were hoping to find? And her answer is pretty awesome. A man who single-handedly shut down 
a quarter of the Amarillo power grid with his body, sending 72,000 volts of electricity through his body, and he lived to sit in my back seat and tell that tale. And I also met a celebrity's mom and sister in the car and had a whole-ass conversation with them and never put it together until I went back and started writing these stories up and realized, oh my God, that is this famous celebrity's mom and sister. Oh my God. And this woman, she's a legit movie star. Like she, she really is. And her sister is an aspiring musician and their narcissistic and exploitive mother is their manager. And goddamn, I feel bad for those women. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then I'm also, um, we're, we're, we're going to also be doing something differently in uh, today's episode, and I guess I'll get to it, but I have a couple pieces of sound, um, one from the rudest rider that I've ever had in the car, and my response to his hostility. I kept it cool, but I let this guy know, hey, listen, act right or you can get out, and I'm, uh, it's, it, it makes for a good clip. And then also a funny clip of me lightheartedly teasing a rider, which then led to a ridiculous story of him getting arrested and charged with a pretty serious offense which is an absolute joke because having spent 15 minutes with this guy I know that he would not hurt a housefly I mean he this guy could not be evil if he tried okay and the fact that he got labeled as as this very serious offense for something that's a, a, a dispute between neighbors and when I tell you the story you're gonna be like oh my god how does that even how does that even like what well, why would they believe that I don't know either but it's a good story okay so we're gonna do a lot of that stuff today and then part two is going to drop next Wednesday, and that's going to consist of the weekend's events, driving Saturday, and some of those stories, plus getting some awesome TikToks with some of my writers, as well as a chance encounter with some boys that I literally just walked into this garage and started chopping it up with, and there were some young go-hards play lacrosse at Brown, you know, the Ivy League school, and I walk in and they're watching lacrosse on the screen and I see these guys with beers and I'm just like, oh, this is like, man, I just, a part of me, a part of me is like, what's up boys? And I just walk in there and I mean, it, it, it made for a really great story and we got an awesome TikTok. I started doing a lot more. I finally figured out, and this is exciting, I figured out a way to use TikTok with my writers because a part of this is, and, and why I think it's really cool and when I start to move towards YouTube, you'll get to see how different each and every one of these people look, but yet their reaction and their response to me and the vibe and the connection that we share is like universal. I mean, it's like universally accepted and it goes back to this principle that I live my life with, real recognize real. That's a universal principle. And getting to see these people um, and hear them tell stories from their own mouth and using their own words. I mean, not that I don't use anybody's uh, words that aren't their own in retelling these stories, but just being able to see how different these people are and listen to them and watch them delivering their message is a really, really powerful thing. And I've been thinking of ways that I could use TikTok in order to start to, um, you know, uh, just... How, how can I incorporate this and use this social media tool in order to continue to raise this platform and bring people together, right? And a hashtag was born. A movement was born here in Nashville, and 
it's really, really exciting. So if you see me hashtagging and talking about and you see now on my TikTok that's starting to blow up at BennyTop18, hey, if you look on there, you'll start to see me hashtagging I ride with Benny T. And that is something that was born out of this Uber Stories Nashville episode. And I'm very, very excited for that because now we've got a, like we got some branding. Now we got something that we can use in these TikToks to get all these people saying it. And I gotta get a little bit of a uh a structure on how I actually want to, you know, uh, am I going to ask them a question or am I going to say, hey, can you just repeat that and then say, I ride with Benny T. I'm kind of working that part out of it, but it's really, really exciting. And I got a lot of good TikToks from some different people on Saturday. So I have that audio and I also cannot wait to tell you about my collaboration with and review of Big Shakes Hot Chicken and Fish. And then we're going to wrap things up with a handful of big picture takeaways and reflections from the trip. So there's a lot to get to today. And did you hear me? Now, (laughs) I'm laughing at myself too. And I'm just playing it off because I don't know what else to do. I've kind of been like, I don't know what to do with my hands, right? It's like collaborations, influencing, uh, you know, like social media marketing, all of these things that have these very negative perceptions about them. I'm I'm doing it. I mean, and and I'm I think I'm very proud of myself because I took what I did in Atlanta and I built upon that. And I took what I learned and I continued to extend that into not only hey, this would be good to do in the future, but hey, how do we do this effectively and how do we do it? How do I execute on that? And I did a lot of that stuff with this Uber Stories Nashville trip, which is exciting because it's constant progress, constant growth, constantly evolving. And so I took what I did in Atlanta, building this blueprint, and then I went into Nashville and not only executed upon that, but uh, took it a couple of levels further. And one of the things that I did was reach out to businesses before coming down. And I literally, I mean, this is so cringe, (laughs) but I literally put collab question mark in a couple of emails that I was sending out because I knew that I wanted to get linked up with one of the hot chicken places in Nashville. I knew that I wanted to get linked up with a couple of gyms because listen, the game train cannot stop. We cannot slow down, baby. It's the summer. It's hot boy summer. It's hot girl summer, okay? And we got to get right for the fucking summer, man. So I'm like, man, even though I'm on the road, that doesn't mean that I can't go up in these gyms and get ripped, right? And get a workout in at least. So I'm reaching out to these gyms like, hey, I'm... (laughs) I know, it's so fucking cringe. But I'm like, hey, I'm a podcaster and a TikToker and an influencer and I'm coming down and I'm going to be in town for an episode and I was wondering if in exchange for maybe letting me drop in and do a class with you guys, I could do some stuff on social media, I could leave you some reviews, I could review you on the show, I could plug you up and... Also, when I blast this episode out of Nashville, people down in Nashville are also going to be hearing it. So I think it's a good opportunity for you. And I mean, look, uh, the benefit for me doesn't even have to be stated to them. It's obviously getting a free workout, right? And I was able to do that with two gyms, which was really cool. And I, I felt like, you know, 
kind of kind of important. I don't know. It, it was it was a cool thing. It was a cool moment. And then with Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish, again, it was like I was looking to link up with one of or try to find the best hot chicken joint in Nashville. And I was fortunate enough to get to do that with Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish down in Franklin. And for anybody listening, here in Louisville, or if you're planning to go to Nashville, if you're listening to this in a different market and you're going to be there for a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, or if you are in Nashville right now, then you can go down to Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish, tell them Benny T sent you, use the code Benny T, tell them I ride with Benny T, okay? And they're going to get you hooked up with 15% off of your meal. And I'm telling you guys, this is not Hattie B's, okay? I drove I, <laughs> I drove past Hattie B's and I would see the line and I'm like, you people are like missing out. Like, you are clearly amateurs, you're rookies, and you're falling for a chain. Now, no disrespect to Hattie B's. It is good. I've had it. Up in Louisville, we have Joella's. It's basically the exact same thing. I mean, imagine going and standing in a fat-ass line and thinking that you're getting this special thing and you're waiting for Five Guys or Domino's. Like, that's basically what these people are doing, and I don't even think that they realize it. So I encourage you, my friends, if you are in Nashville or you're going to be going to Nashville and you want to try the hot chicken or, or chicken and waffles, a lot of people... They don't even know that chicken waffles is a thing, but hey, welcome to the South, all right? Go down there and really, really, truly experience hot chicken. And dude, Big Shake, Chef Big Shake is an OG, man. He literally was on Shark Tank season two, episode one. That's how long he's been doing this. And the the product that he pitched when he was on the Shark Tank was his famous shrimp burger. Now, this thing, I got to try it, and it was amazing. And also, since then, he ended up leaving the Shark Tank without a deal. But right after the episode aired, there were some private VC firms that came in, wanted to help him out. He has since become one of the top businesses that is often listed in any type of a listicle that you'll see pop up on you know, uh, the side of Facebook or if you Google it. There's these listicles that say the top 10 deals that sharks regret never making or, or, or ever making, right? He's on there every single time because he has grown his shrimp burger into also hot chicken and hot fish and millions of dollars in sales, multiple locations in Tennessee, one in Huntsville, Alabama. We went to the Franklin one, which is about 25 minutes outside of downtown Nashville, but it's worth it. And I was thinking like, you know... If you watch any of these shows like Diners, uh, Drives, and whatever the hell it is, and like Guy Fieri, and you'll see these shows where people go to try stuff, they're rarely like, hey guys, we're down on 4th Street in this big city. No, a lot of times they're like, hey guys, we're 30 minutes outside of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee, home of the best hot chicken and fish in Tennessee, and I'm telling you... Guys, look no further than Big Shakes. Big Shakes, the man, not only was he on Shark Tank, he was also on Man vs. Food. They got featured there. And you will get taken care of if you just go down there and mention my name. Say, hey, I ride with Benny T. They're going to toss you 15% off. So go do it, okay? And then see see for yourself. So I, 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 I got to do that, and I created that opportunity for myself going into this weekend, which was super cool. Because again, 
while I was in Atlanta, I was thinking about, hey, that would be something that like I should maybe do. So coming into this weekend in Nashville, I did it and it went really well. And going into next month, I guess I'll go ahead and, and announce this. In June, I'm going to be taking the show on the road to Chicago, the Windy City, and we're going to be hanging out and banging good life for that summertime shy. Ah, now throw your hands up in the sky. Hey, hey, I'm hype, man. Father's Day weekend, Wednesday to Sunday, I'm going to be up in Chicago, so I will uh, turn 29 years old on June 12th, and then the next week, I'm going to be up in Chicago hanging out, and uh, I'm booking my hotel here pretty soon, and again, same thing, I'm going to be reaching out to some businesses, um, trying to link up, probably try and get one of the uh, best deep dish pizza places in the city to uh, have me and let me try some stuff off of their menu, do a food review, and while I'm driving, I'm telling people, hey, go down to this place. I partner with them for the week and and the next week while this episode's being uh, advertised, tell them I ride with Benny T. They're going to get you hooked up with whatever it is that we decide to, to give to the people. So really, really awesome stuff going on. If you're brand new to the show, then welcome in my friends. It's good to have you riding with me. You can follow along on TikTok, Twitter, and the gram at BennyTomp18. Facebook and Instagram at RealTalkWBennyT. And um, another part of the show that I'm trying to continue to grow, and I cannot wait until we have enough submissions to eventually do like mailbag episodes from from uh, you know emails that I get. But a lot of what this show is is me describing the stories that I get from other people or that involve other people and myself. And what I would like to start adding and incorporating into the show is I want to hear your Uber stories. I know you have them. Literally, everybody has, almost everybody has taken an Uber, and anybody that has taken an Uber has a story of an experience, a driver that they they liked, a driver that they hated, something crazy that happened to them. Whatever it is, I know you guys have Uber stories, and I would love to hear them and feature them on the show. I mean, seriously, this thing is going to take off, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but that's why I'm just grinding in the shadows and and just keeping my fucking head down until the day that this finally explodes, and when it does, it's going to be amazing, but you can help that happen. You can play a part in that process by sending in your Uber stories and helping me get this segment off the ground. Also, I do a segment called The Dr. Resin. And it's basically a life advice segment. So you might not have the opportunity to ride with me in the car. Or you might be a previous rider and whatever we were discussing as it pertained to you and your life and your situation, if you want some follow-up on that or if you just want to send me something, um, a thank you or something saying, hey, like here's how this situation got better. Or, hey, it got worse, but here's what I learned about myself through that, and it ended up turning out better than I expected in the long run, right? I want to hear that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, as, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't do this if I wasn't genuinely curious and interested in people. I love people. People fascinate me. And if you share your life story with me, I'm, 
I, I trust me, I'm intrigued. I'm into it, man. So I want to know. I want to get some follow up emails, and I want to hear from you later on down the road when whatever it was we were discussing kind of pans out, right? Good or bad. I want to know. So send me that stuff. Um, yeah, that's about it. All the music that um, all the music that I listen to with my writers, all the playlists, all that stuff is up on Apple Music and Spotify. So just go there, check out at BennyTomp18. You'll get all of the playlists that I use. Uh, I I was banging a lot of that J Cole in Nashville. I'm really really glad the Ville's back, the Reels back, and he kind of lost me after Four Your Eyes Only. There's not a single track on that album that I I can honestly tell you that I fuck with. But this was heat. This was heat. 95 South, man. Look how everybody clapping when your measly little album to 100 thou. I'm like, oh my God, he's flaming everybody. I love it. I mean, just just, just amazing stuff. But all of the music that, uh, that you hear me referencing, all of those playlists are up. I got a playlist for all kinds of stuff. So also, please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast it would really, really help me out, and I would really, really appreciate it. Now, let's get into some storytelling. I got to town on Wednesday, Wednesday around about 4, 4.30 p.m., and the first thing that I did, besides tossing my bags down at the place that I was staying, was I went straight to the Gulch, and I took 40 business cards with me, and I didn't leave until I had passed them all out. I walked 13,000 steps, seven and a half miles, and I made 40 quality impressions with people out in the streets. And that was something that I did on the very last day in Atlanta, walking up and down the Atlanta Beltline and talking to people. What's up, ladies? You like podcasts? Or what's up, fly guy? Or what's up, my boys? Hey, boys! You know, just pitching people and getting some good interactions. And I said, you know what? That went really, really well. Uh, I can pull up from anywhere. The bleachers, half court, don't matter. I can pull up on anybody, anytime, anywhere. And I don't want to wait until the last day to do this. So when I came to Nashville, the very first thing that I did was take a stack of these business cards and go do that because that helped me generate positive momentum that I carried then into everything else that I did this weekend. And it was absolutely the way to start. It's going to be how I start Chicago. But that's how I got things rolling, was walking around the Gulch and uh, spending a couple hours down there and around Broadway. I try to avoid Broadway in terms of handing out the cards because, I, you know, just I got to be aware of the fact that like people are on Broadway to be on Broadway. Like that is the tourist thing. They they don't want to be bothered with uh, you know, what you got going on. I'm not a naked cowboy. I'm not Jason Aldean. I'm not, you know, I they they are on Broadway because they they are there to be entertained by Broadway, not me. So that's kind of the approach that I took to it. And after walking all that distance, I went to a place called Clean Juice. And I got a lemon ginger juice and another one called the Orange Dreamsicle. <laughs> uh, go there and, and, and uh, cop that one. That one is stupid fire. But that was Wednesday afternoon. You know, I drove down, hit the ground running, and then there was a gas shortage. And that was being discussed while I got to town. 
and I went Wednesday night to a gas station to make sure that I could get some. I filled up my car, and I had no problem doing that. I found a car wash place for the morning because I get a car wash every single day, whether I'm here or out of town. Uh, because I, hey, we're into nice things. I want this thing to look nice for my people. So I ended up getting a you know car wash that night, and then that was Wednesday night. Real quick, Thursday, I get up. And I go to a gym called Fit Factory in Nashville. And this place was pretty sick. It had the turf. It had the wad like you are used to seeing if you're familiar with CrossFit. I mean, we did like AMRAPs, three stations, three things for 35 seconds each, three times through, and then switch. And then a fourth station was just heavy deadlifts working up to, I, I can't really remember how much I worked up to. But it was a really traditional wad and CrossFit type workout in that sense. And it was good. Um, Samantha is the name of their GM. I spent some time talking with her. Trevor and JT were the head coaches. And uh, I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was JT. It might have been Trevor. It was definitely JT, actually. He had one of the uh, you know portable microphones like hooked up and was speaking through the speakers to everybody. And JT actually won Group Fitness Instructor of 2020. And Fit Factory is Nashville's largest group training uh, facility, and they specialize with one-on-one coaching. And they're back-to-back winners of the Nashville Fit Magazine Gym of the Year. So they're a pretty good gym. And I got to go there and work out for free, eh, and take a little video, and I got a pretty cool shirt, and... It was uh, it was a really good workout. I went to like the the seven a.m. class. I got up at like six thirty, and after I came home, you know, showered up. I did some show stuff. I I'm spending a lot of time doing social media stuff in the morning, and then I hit the road. So the very first ride of the trip could not have gotten started with giving me any more just like, I was just amped after this very first ride because it was pretty cool. I got to talk about football with some boys and that was just like, I was just like, yes, like I, I love the fact that we could start this weekend and set the tone with this type of a story. So hit the road on Thursday by about 1.10 p.m. And I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit disastrous at first. Because, of course, the very first pickup would be at Nashville's airport, a place that I have never been. And I'm inside this parking garage where I think that I'm supposed to be picking these dudes up. And then I realize that I'm not in the right spot. And he calls me twice as I'm circling around the airport, trying to find the Uber pickup zone. I'm on the phone with this guy. I'm like, sorry, man. I've never been to the airport before, so please just bear with me. Dude, I end up circling the airport three times, and then finally, upon the instruction of an airport worker, I found the commercial vehicle lane and got down there to pick these three dudes up. Well, as soon as they get in, I'm like, hey, sorry about that, fellas, and I explain that I'm not from here, that I was just down here for the show, and one of the guys is like, we were wondering, he's like, yo, this dude has done 1,200 rides and he's never been to the airport? How's that fucking possible? And we all laughed. They were from New York, and they were in town for a bachelor party, and it was cool because when I asked them where they were from, um, two of them had been friends for a while, but the third dude that was with them was like the bachelor's cousin, and he had never met any of these guys, so it was almost like me asking them some of those, where you're from, what do you do, icebreaker questions, helped bridge this gap 
for these dudes meeting the cousin for the first time and the cousin feeling like he was getting connected and he was going to be one of the guys for the weekend. So I, I felt like I was, you know, we were like, we had a couple people meeting each other for the first time. And I think that was like good for the cousin that he could kind of um, be able to, to, to chime in there, right? So that was good. They asked me how long I'd been in Nashville and I told them less than 24 hours. And they said, so you can't tell us a goddamn thing about this city. And I said, well, I can tell you that if you guys go to Big Shakes down in Franklin, you'll get 15% off if you drop my name and tell them Benny T sent you. And one of the guys is like, sounds like a promo. Is that a promo? I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) And one of these guys went to Iona. So we talked about Rick Pitino for a minute and his takeaway about Rick Pitino, which is a big deal around Kentucky, right? Louisville, hell yeah, is if you don't think that cheating is going on and players are getting paid and compensated in some shady ways in college sports, then you're just being naive. Well, then that led to some broader discourse on paying players and how it's wrong for the NCAA to make money off of these kids and restrict the kids' ability to make money off of themselves when they may never have a higher market value for their talent than when they're in college. That's like their peak for a lot of these dudes that are never going to be as hot or as marketable as they are at that moment. And you're going to tell them that they cannot capitalize off of that? That goes against every fundamental principle that America was founded on, to be honest. And I give that take, and my man agrees with me. And he said, case in point, I played with a kid who went to the NFL. Most kids last four years, and I think this guy lasted six years. He played for the Cowboys. His name was Kevin Ogletree. He played for the Cowboys a few years, and then I forget where he went after that. He played like one more year, and that was it. But for most of these guys, they're the best in college, they're the best in high school, and then they go to the NFL, and you're not the best at all. It's just crazy, man. One of the other dudes says, did he play O-line? Nah, he played wide receiver. Ah, he broke like the Brooklyn Queens receiving touchdown numbers, receiving yardage. Yo, we were losing in the championship game, I remember, and he was a senior, and I was a junior, and he came in the huddle, and it was right before half, and he said, Kevin, throw me the fucking ball, and Kevin was our quarterback. And they had been triple teaming him the entire game. And he throws the ball on a post pattern and all three were surrounding him and not a single one of them touched him. It was just like the things he did. Was that a game winner? I said, that was halftime. That was halftime, which brought us back down from like, I think, 21-7 to 21-14. And then we went on to win. He also played both ways, and he had like a huge, he had the pick. He had the pick right before we scored that. He played safety, he intercepted a pass, and then he scored the touchdown. But then he played at Virginia for like three years, and he left there a year early. And his junior year, he had a great year. And it was one of those, do you leave now, do you stay? And he left, and then I think he got drafted in like the seventh round. And then everyone was like, oh, he should have stayed one more year. But then he played, and his highlight was he played for the Cowboys with Tony Romo and caught two touchdowns versus the Giants in MetLife. One of those other dudes is like, yeah, I remember he had a big breakout game. That was it, says this dude. But it was like the mental thing, because at that level, they don't give you a route to run. They give you a tree. It's like, if the coverage is this, do this. 
And I guess he just could not grasp it. And I said, and you guys are from New York. So he was from New York. So he got the ball out in front of probably like a lot of friends and family too, right? Yeah, a ton. People would just come to watch him, honestly. It was incredible. He was just a level above everybody else. And then he went to college and he was a level above everybody else there. But then he gets to the NFL and he can't even sniff the top. One of the other guys says, that's crazy, man. He must have felt like this is my coming out party. I'm a fucking star. I'm going to be here. Going to be a millionaire. And this other dude was like, oh, I was going nuts. I was like, I played with him. What position did you play? I said, well, the championship game, I played fullback. But before that, I played linebacker. And then I finally started because I was a junior and they would always want to rotate me in. But then finally I started and I had like 12 tackles and a forced fumble, but I got a high ankle sprain. So then I didn't play for three weeks, and then they brought me back to the championship game, and they were like, yo, we need a guy to play fullback. And I was like, all right, all right. I was like, I'll tote that rock, is what I said to him. And he was like, I actually caught a touchdown pass in the championship game. Fuck yeah, I said. True team player, says another. This dude goes, I remember my coach was like, yo, there's a ridiculous picture of you. Out of all the pictures they could have taken, it was a play-action pass where I leaked out to the flat, and that's the photo they got of me catching the ball right before the goal line. Okay, I said. That's awesome. You got it framed in your room, I said? Yeah, oh yeah. My dad was like instantly like, yo, get 12 copies of that. (laughs) But this dude was literally out there picking off passes, demanding the ball, scoring touchdowns single-handedly. Pretty good story to start things off, all right? And I looked up Kevin Ogletree's stats upon writing this up because, of course, I did. 40 receptions, 1,000-plus yards, and 10 touchdowns as a junior for Brooklyn Queens. And then his senior year, just like this dude was saying, he set league records with 61 catches for 1,170 yards and 19 touchdowns, which was one shy of the state record. And he also added five picks as a safety and earned player of the year by Newsday and the New York Daily News. And I spent way too long trying to find a box score from that championship game because I was really curious as to what his stats were in that game. I guess they, they might have been low if he was being triple teamed, but like, I don't know. I would have loved to look up some of his game by game stats. But that was the first ride of the trip. And I told them, boys, I am glad that I started with you because y'all got me thinking about state championships and triple team coverages and now I'm all fucking jacked up and I could not think of a better way to get things going. Two rides later, a girl hopped in needing a ride to the airport and she was from Louisville. So that was pretty cool. We had that connection and we talked about that for a little bit and she said that she went to one of the popular high schools in the city. And I said, so did you move to Nashville right after school or what? I actually went to college here, she said. At Vanderbilt? Yeah. So I went to blah, blah, blah high school. And I graduated Vandy in 2020. And then moved to Idaho to work on a ranch for three months. Really? Yeah. I was just kind of done. I was just kind of like... I felt like I had been doing things because I felt like I should, you know, and was just very burnt out from school. And yeah, drove to Idaho for a few months and it was awesome. 
And then I ended up taking a job with a professor I had in college who owns an affordable housing consulting and development firm. And now that's what I do. That's really cool, I said. Wait, so did you just like show up in Idaho? Like, all right, what's my job? Or did you have a plan? <laughs> um, so I was in Minnesota visiting family and I had driven there from Kentucky. And I literally just sent in my resume to probably 20 ranches in the West. Like, there's a lot of guest ranches out there. And then that one in Idaho was just the first one that got back to me. And they were like, hey, can you be here Monday? And I think it was a Friday at that point. And I was like, yep, sure, I'll do whatever you need. And then drove there. So yeah, I knew where I was going. I didn't know like really anything about what it was going to be like or what the job was. So a little bit of both, I guess. So wait, why a ranch? What drew you to that? I don't know. I think I had gone on a backpacking trip in March and wanted to be somewhere that I could hike and out west is more... It was really like I thought I was going to go on a couple month backpack trip by myself and I was like, you know what? That's not very practical. I'm sure the people that work out here like to do that sort of thing and I can make some money too. So I'll just do that on my days off. And I just feel like, I don't know why a ranch. It was more about the scenery than the actual ranch itself. Okay, so we have three minutes left, I said. So probably time for two questions, all right? So tell me the most important thing you learned going through that experience and tell me, did you find what you were looking for at the end of that trip? That's a great question. Um, I think I did. I think literally what I got out of it was, I don't know, it was something in my gut that said, you have to do this. And I'm the youngest of five. And I feel like I had always been following suit and doing things because I felt like I should. But this was a good example of like, no, actually, you know exactly what you want. If you listen to your gut, it's going to go well. And yeah, it was a really peaceful experience. I feel like way more in touch with myself now. Damn, I said. Cause I, man, when somebody gives me an answer like that, that is just gold to me. I'm just like hanging on every word. That's amazing. And she continues by saying, so, I mean, that sounded really dramatic, but I actually do feel that way. No, that's amazing. That's awesome, I said. So then after you got back, how quickly did you move to Nashville? Oh, it literally happened in one week. I called my professor. He had offered me a job a senior year, and I was like, no, I'm going to do something else. And I called him, and two days later, he said, yeah, you want to come work here? I was like, sure. <laughs> well, right as we're getting to this point, I'm pulling up to the airport. I had to go back to the airport, right? I was like, hey, I was just here. And I asked her who she's flying. She said, American. I'm like, well, that's a great story, and good luck with everything. Safe travels. Thank you. After that, the woman that got in right after her was an inspiring one to me because she was back in school at 45 years old. And that's something that I've encouraged my mom to do because my mom dropped out of, she, she never finished uh, her college degree because she got pregnant with little baby Benny T. 
And now that all of the kids, now that we're all out of school, I'm, I've, I've tried a few times to be like, mom, you should go back and do that, right? I, I would love to see her do that. But this woman is doing that. And, and so I just, I don't know, I think that's really, really cool. And this woman was from Minnesota. She is a mom of four kids. And she said that she was in town for one of her sons who was getting married. And one of the things that she said that deserves to be recognized as real talk was people just post things sometimes as if their life is so glamorous. And I'm like, you know, sometimes life isn't so glamorous. Sometimes it's a shit show. She also said that she was flirting with the idea of starting an Instagram account to document the shit show that she called her Midwest life. And I said, if you ever do, definitely hit me up because when it goes live, I will follow along. But we just had a really good ride. And as we were pulling up to the place that she was going, we were talking about the podcast and she was like, oh, you need to make some business cards. If you were smart, you'd have some business cards. And I said, dude. And I reached into my cup holder and I handed her a business card as I parallel parked like a fucking champ. And I said that too. I was like, as I parallel park, I'm too nice, fam. And she was like, yeah, that was impressive. (laughs) So that was a pretty quick one. And then after her, it would probably be about another couple hours until my next story-worthy ride. But this one was pretty funny. And this is actually the very first time that I have ever done this. So we got a first-timer over here. Very first time. But I'm going to play a clip of this audio because it's funny. And there's just no way that I could retell this in a way that would seem as funny or as organic as the actual moment itself. So this guy gets in, and I picked him up from the grocery store that he worked at. And he needed to make a phone call. So he was on the phone, and he was really struggling to get cell phone service. And he was saying his phone kept freezing up on him. But we were also in some hills And I didn't have hardly any cell phone service either. Like Waze was being super slow to update. So after he gets off the phone, we're having this little exchange. And look, I I love to have fun with people and say things sometimes just to see what their reaction will be. And this one made me laugh pretty hard. Yeah. How's my phone working tonight? Dude, I have one bar too. Yeah. Well, it acts like it's freezing up or something, man. My phone's, I, I think I'm going to have to get a new phone. I think something's wrong with this phone. It keeps, everything keeps freezing up. But, that, uh, I don't know, something's wrong. My phone's been acting weird. What? Oh, there it goes. It's like, it's acting real, like, like if I have, like, more than one app open, everything starts acting real funny. I don't know. Maybe, maybe because I have too much stuff on it. How old is it? Maybe about a, it's, I can't remember. I got it like maybe about a year, year and a half. It's not very old. Do you know what type of uh, what is it? It's like I got it to cricket store, so but I'm getting a lot of pop ups, so I'm thinking it may have something on it. Mm. Yeah, but I, I don't know how though, because I mean, you watching porn on that thing? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> very funny. I'm just kidding. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I'll just fuck you with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like to have fun. I like to have fun with people, you know? 
I love teasing people just a little bit. Just just a little bit, you know? And most of the time, people know that I'm just messing around. But there have been a few times where I've said something and then had to either explain it because they didn't get it or backpedal a little bit because someone was legitimately taken aback. But I'm reminded of the old Tucker Max quote, if they can't take a joke, fuck them. But fortunately for me, my guy knew that I was just messing around. He did give me a good story too. After that little exchange, we were talking about realistically why his phone could be slow. And he said maybe it was a robocall that infected his phone with something, almost like a computer gets a virus. Now, I've never heard that before. I've never heard of that happening before. Um, Can we get research on that? Is that a thing? (laughs) But he said he's gotten those before, and he went into a story about somebody calling and trying to scare him into a scam by saying, there's a warrant out for your arrest. And he said, because I've been arrested before, but I haven't been charged, but that was a long story, so we won't get into that. We'll we'll circle back to that one, I say. He says, yeah, but anyway, he said he had somebody call him and said, there's a warrant out for your arrest, pay this sum of money, and you will avoid jail time. Well, that kind of a call comes in, it can probably take you a little bit out of your way, right? But he said, well, I thought about it. And he said, if there was really a warrant out for my arrest, they wouldn't call me and tell me. They would just knock on the door and say, you're coming with us. So he said he had some fun with the person and messed with them a little bit. And then I asked, okay, so why were you arrested? Because I'm telling you, this dude was so sweet and innocent. And he worked at a grocery store. I'm thinking, what the hell did this guy do? Listen to this. Me and my dad, had, had, we were walking, had this vicious dog that these people had. Of course, it was a pit bull, but they were using it as a dry dog. And uh, we'd already had trouble with it, but like, my dad was using like a, uh, you know those garden steaks that you used to like, paint your tomatoes on? He was using one like a, as a cane, because he couldn't find his cane. He had just gotten cleansed while from the doctor, because he had broke his knee in like two or three places. I can't remember, but everybody in this whole neighborhood had trouble with this dog. But, but, um, but like, make a short story long. I ended up hitting my dog because it come out of me. Scott is going to bite me. They told the cops that I come up in their yard trying to attack them. What? Yeah, the cops believed them. Ain't that simple? Wow. Who in the right mind's gonna come up with somebody's yard when they got a vicious dog? And attack it. But the dog was able to come out in the street. That's alright. They got there. What did, uh, what'd you hit it with? Your fist? I had, I had one too. I had, a cane? No, I had a garden stick with it. Me too, because I mean, heck, I, we got, we were fed up of it trying to attack us, but they knew somebody in Animal Control because we would call it, it would be running loose, and we call it Animal Control. Within 10, 15 minutes, that dog would be put up. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, uh, after we got out, got out, and everything, we made their life a living hell. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, payback. What'd you do? We act like we were filming them. Uh, uh, every time we go back, we call them names. We, we had, there was one we called Rotten Crops. Douchebag. <laughs> um, they, they said they're filming us. I was like, well, 
You ain't got nothing to hide. Why worry about it? But yeah, we did everything in their power to harass them. How long did that go on? Uh, I don't remember exactly, but they finally ended up moving. They ended up, but we knew, we knew what was going on. They were dealing, because they made no bones to hide it. They, they dare you to hit them. Damn. They would walk out. Oh, I got another good one. Yeah. There was one guy that we called Scratchy. You know, I'm, but anyway, he said, he called my daddy MF, he said, well, don't it keep her off the street? Oh, he got mad. <laughs> I told my dad, he should let him catch up in the car and then take off. Keep her off the street. My dad's an old sport, but he knows how to, he knows how to, he, he, you know what they say? Yeah, he knows, you know, what they say was age comes wisdom. I'm going to start stealing that, uh, keep her off the street line when somebody calls me a motherfucker because that is a golden line man OGs always know the perfect comebacks I swear to god and we you know what it's funny because when I was growing up in high school we had some neighbors that lived next to us that literally made our lives a living hell and they had a cane corso mastiff that would take off sprinting towards this way too short fence that they had around their yard and we'd be playing basketball and this thing would come sprinting over it could have easily cleared that fence and it would stand there and bark at us and its bark was so powerful it would vibrate the fence it would literally we would hear them like moving as if they were like musical instruments it was nuts very frightening um but they made our life a living hell for years and I'm sure there's somebody listening to this that also have some good neighbor stories or has some good neighbor beef. You know we're here for the neighbor beef. So send those into the show, realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com, and I would love to feature them. Well, at some point a few hours later, around 5 p.m., I was ready to take a break. I needed to recharge my phone and grab something to eat and I wanted to avoid the rush hour traffic, which is really bad in Nashville. So I went back to my buddy's place, and I did all that. And then they were asking me if I could take them to the sounds game at 7 p.m. So I dropped them off, and I drove for another couple hours. And then a little after 10 p.m., I had had enough. And I told those guys, I can get you guys now if you're ready to roll. Otherwise, I'll just see you at home. Well, they were ready. So I picked them up, and I ended the night taking us all back to the crib. And it was a very successful first day. And out of all four days that I drove, I went the hardest and the longest on Thursday. And I'm really glad that I did that, because it really set the tone for the rest of the weekend. And I knew that if I had a strong first day out, that was going to allow me some more freedom on the back end if I wanted to spend some more time doing things that I wanted to do. Now, I pretty much drove all weekend long, and Sunday, I just kind of, um, you know, left a little bit earlier than staying down and driving more. I was just like, you know, I, I, I got what I came here for. So, it allowed me a little bit of time to uh, do some of that stuff, but um, that was Thursday. That was Thursday. Friday, in the morning, I went to Pro Vita Nashville. And it was really exciting because they had just gotten new signage up. They were getting it that same day. And I had been emailing back and forth with Tom, who owns the gym, him and his wife, Janine. And he was like, yeah, come on in. Just, you know, I'll let Jen know. Jen's their head coach and their GM. 
And Tom is like an OG powerlifter who came up during the golden age of Arnold and all those guys. And Jen is an absolute beast. She's on the USA women's kickboxing team, and she's like an Olympic athlete. And she was a former Oregon walk-on for track and field. And we talked about that. You know, I was, I, I'm Oregon, obviously, a fan. Um, and they're track and field team is like, I mean, that's like the destination for, for a lot of track and field people. So that was really cool. She was an Olympic athlete. And I probably sat in the office and talked with her after the workout. And it was a good workout. It was a great workout. And we probably hung out for like 45 minutes after class. And I knew that it was a good fit when they had dogs in the building and they were bumping old school Kanye, college dropout Kanye, and it was unedited. The other place was playing music that was edited. And I just, you know, to me, that's like, all right, well, that's that's weak ass shit, man. Give me the stuff. Give get like don't edit it. Give me the real deal shit. And the fact that they were playing music that was not edited was like, oh, this is home for me. And she just had a really good vibe. And so did Tom and Janine. And the class was really it was it was we really had a lot of one-on-one coaching there because I had two other people in the class with me and between Jen leading the class and then they also had another coach who was just kind of walking around from person to person keeping an eye on everybody making sure everybody's form was good you know giving little tips where necessary and appropriate and it it wasn't like like the workout that I had done before was very traditional CrossFit, you know, uh, how many times can you do this in this amount of time? We had certain movements that we ran through at the end, like kind of like a met conditioning kind of a deal. But a lot of what we did was like bench press, you know, and, and working up on bench press. And I honestly can't even, I, I should have taken pictures of the workouts that I did, but um, it was a really good workout, and I'm telling you, after two days of getting up at like 6.20, 6.30 and going to CrossFit type stuff, my body, I was like, I, I, I was pushing it. I was pushing it pretty hard, but it felt amazing, and that's how I got up and got after it on Friday morning, and then first ride of the day, after I get showered up, I grab something to eat and do some social media stuff, first ride of the day... I hop up in the whip around the same time and it was a couple that were being picked up from a big, big lot where they had semi-trucks and buses and all kinds of RVs, big vehicles in this parking lot. And I said, so what are you guys going to do in Nashville? Nashville? Pff, we're not staying in Nashville. We're just stopping for lunch. We're headed down to South Pittsburgh for a big rock bouncing event down there. <laughs> Rock bouncing? Yep. Full tube chassis, 750 horsepower rigs attacking these hills. It's a uh, high horsepower, high adrenaline event. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, I I don't even, I still don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Can you please explain yourself? And he says, it's a, like a, like a, think like a uh, doom buggy, but with a full cage and a big, huge motor with 40-inch tires underneath it, 
four-wheel drive, and they just go attack a hill. And people sit and spectate and drink beer and have a good time. When you say attack a hill, does that mean just like drive as fast as you can at it? Uh Uh-huh. And just wreck? Yep. His wife says, they bowl down, crash. They try to make it up, but not very much. They don't get very far. And the crowd just goes crazy, I said. Ape shit, he says. They go ape shit. The wife says, it's fun to watch people almost kill themselves. He says, yeah, Google rock bouncing. Yeah, there'll be a couple thousand people down there tomorrow. It's a televised event. (laughs) Who are these people they find to drive these vehicles, I said. I mean, they're custom-built buggies. Dudes with money, says the wife. Yeah, dudes with money, he says. Full race suits, helmets, everything. Yeah, are they strapped in a special way so they don't die, I said? Yeah, they're like uh, NASCAR-style seats. Well, naturally, once these people got out of the car and before I picked up my next rider, I had to watch a YouTube clip to fully understand what we're talking about here. And I encourage you to do the same. And then imagine thousands of drunk rednecks in the stands cheering wildly for destruction, damage, and possible death. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody remembers that movie Idiocracy with Luke Wilson. I actually watched it kind of recently. It's, it's, I, 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 dude, that might be the best Luke Wilson movie he's ever made. I know there's not many, but I, I legitimately like that movie and think it's a, it's a good movie in the sense that it's a well done satire. And I just, I don't know, I like that movie a lot. But in that movie, if you'll recall, they had a monster truck rally and the people watching that, and the people that watch, like the the Dax Shepard character and everybody that's there at that truck rally, they love this show called Oh My Balls, okay? And I'm just thinking about this group of people in that arena and thinking about the group of people in this arena, and I'm wondering how much overlap there would have been between those two crowds. My guess is a lot. But hey, I guarantee if I ever went to one of those events... I'd be right there with them, getting hammered drunk and praying for a fiery explosion. (laughs) God, I love this country. Anyways, that couple was on their way to Broadway to get lunch, I think, at Jason Aldean's bar. So we were right in the middle of traffic, stuck waiting and inching closer and closer, but we were sitting there for a minute. And the thing about Uber is that when I'm with a rider and somebody else who I'm going to be picking up next sends me a text message, I cannot access or see that text message or even see that somebody sent me something through the app until I have completed the ride that I'm currently on. So if you are waiting on me to pull up and you send me a text message, I will actually get it as soon as I finish the ride that I'm on and start heading to you. It's the first thing that'll pop up. So after I drop these two off... I get this text message that says, come on, are you coming? With like four question marks. And it says, you haven't moved in 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, all right. So I reply back and I say, yes, I'm stuck in a little bit of traffic on Broadway. I'll be there as soon as I can. So already I'm headed to this guy and I'm kind of like, this fucking guy, man. And when I pull up, this dude was such a prick And I got to play this clip so you can hear me in the most polite way I know possible. Tell this man, don't you be on that bullshit. 
Yeah, we're gonna go back down here and you'll see why it's taking so long, man. Oh, we have to go through. I don't want to go through the traffic. It's gonna make me crazy. Uh, well, I mean, it's just, there's no way to avoid it, man. I'm just gonna have to stay chill. You don't know an alternative route? I don't. I'm not from here, actually. Well, let's see. Hey, man, I'm going to go the route that it's telling me to go because this is saying no matter what, this is going to be shortest. And if that's going to be a problem, then you can get out of the car. So let me know what you would like to do. Okay, I just want to get back. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm not here to play that bullshit, all right? Gator don't play no shit. I will not hesitate to let somebody know what time it is. I do not shy away from those moments. I, I welcome those moments because I'm not going to... I'm I, Listen, it's just like, dude, don't. Like, not me. I'm not the one, man. So just be chill. And when he said, he was like, I, I, I just want to get there. I'm like, cool, me too, man. You know, like, I don't control the fucking city, man. And I wasn't trying to be mean or nasty with this guy. I just wasn't going to mince words about it. Like, you got two options. Chill or be chilled, homie. Well, here's the shitty thing about a business where you're getting rated and reviewed constantly. Is now, I'm thinking, great. Even though I was 1,000% reasonable and cool with this guy about the way in which that I said what I said, he might not have liked it, but it, but it, I, I don't, you know, I, I said it very calm and collected. I'm like, man, this prick's going to give me a one star and hurt my pristine 4.97 rating. So we're sitting in silence riding along for about three minutes. About three minutes go by. And the entire time, I'm thinking to myself, fuck, man, how can I save this? I don't know, but I got to try. It might not make a difference, but I know if I don't say anything and we just ride in silence the rest of the way, I'm pretty much all but guaranteed to get sandbagged by this guy. So here's my best attempt to smooth things over. I'm not trying to be a dick, man. I just don't appreciate the hostility off the bat. You know what I mean? I'm just doing what I can do. Yeah, I know. It's just, um, it took like 10 minutes to get picked up. So it's just, um, don't I, I was, don't be mad at me. Be mad at the city. You know, like there's there's roads that are shut down. You picked a weekend where things are really opening back up in terms of the no mask thing, and people are here celebrating bachelor parties. And where are you from? Are you not from here? Los Angeles. Nice. Very cool. Is this your first time in Nashville? Where are you from? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So I host a podcast, and I'm actually just down here to do the episode, so. Is your podcast about a subject or anything? <laughs> it's about all the people that I meet driving for Uber. speak now what do i think about what the podcast oh i was doing i was doing this um well uh, i don't know you meet people on uber i don't know what do you do 
I'm a writer. What do you write? Television, movies. Yeah, so I'm just going to stop right there because he starts to list off the television shows that he worked on. And it was pretty easy for me to find this guy's website and his stuff. And again, I'm not here to out anybody, even though I'm sure anybody that knows this guy or who has worked with this guy would probably say, wow, so-and-so is being a prick? No. Like, I'm sure it's no secret. But still, (laughs) I'm not going to do that to him, all right? I just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that somebody that lives in Los Angeles... And as old as this guy was, having lived there since the 70s, I'm shocked that this person would come into Nashville and be such a salty little bitch about having to wait 10 minutes to get an Uber. Or that there's traffic. Like, seriously, like, you don't deal with this in Los Angeles? It's not worse? It's not the same thing? Are you kidding me? Rush hour traffic in Los Angeles? And it's like, dude, we're in the, I'm in the middle of Broadway literally in the middle of the Broadway, obviously there's going to be some traffic and it's going to take you, you know, it's going to take me a little bit of time to get to you. So I'm sorry that you had to wait 10 minutes. I'm sorry that your television show must wait for your worldly work to come in and bless everyone's screens with your beautiful, magnificent words. But please, take it easy on me, sir. (laughs) Give me a fucking break, man. What a prick. Two rides later, this one's pretty wild. This is a wild one, all right? A dance mom rocking shades and her daughter get in. And they said that they were in town to hopefully secure a deal with a record label. And the reason that I wanted to write this one up was because the daughter said that she made Christian music and Duffel Bag Boy had just started playing. And I was like, what do you think of rap? After she told me she made Christian music, I'm like, what do you think of rap? And her response was, God hears everything. And I thought, (laughs) that's a pretty funny one-liner. And I thought I was going to briefly just mention it and move on. But this one also stuck out to me because it ended kind of awkwardly. And I was curious. And one of the last things that the daughter said before we arrived at their hotel that I was taking at was that she was an advocate against bullying and cyberbullying because she had grown up with a sibling that she described as being a very well-known actress. And she said that she learned firsthand what it's like to have people judge you before they even know you. So that's what she said she tries to do with her music, and her platform is to help people, which is awesome. And that's really cool. But before they got out, the mom and the daughter, I was like, so you said your sister was a well-known actress. I'm just curious, who is it? And then the mom acted really weird about it, like it was this big deal and had to be kept a big secret because it was such a big deal, and they didn't tell me, (laughs) you know? I'm like, listen, I don't give a shit. I mean, honestly, I'm curious to know who it was, but it, it really has zero impact on me the second you get your bag out of my trunk. So if you don't want to tell me, I probably would have never thought about it again. Well... That is until, of course, I went back to write this up. And upon listening to the tape from this ride, I don't know how I missed it, but right as we start going, the mom proudly announces her and her daughter 
their first and last names as if I was supposed to know who they were and she was waiting to, I don't know, she kind of put her head back and up a little bit like when she announced it, like, we are so-and-so. And then looked out the window super dramatically. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I, well, first of all, I, I didn't know because I didn't even, that, that part didn't even register in my mind. I, I, I totally missed that. I don't know how, but, um, she told me that she told me their first and last names after I said I host a podcast. So I don't, yeah, I don't know if I just didn't hear it or it didn't register or what, but I, I swear to God, I have no memory of them saying their names. So after I go back and listen to that tape, I'm like, well, that's really weird. Why would she drop their first and last names at the beginning of the ride and then act all secretive at the end? That makes no sense. And had I heard her say the names, I probably would have been able to put two and two together and been like, wait, you said your last name was blank and you have a sister who's a well-known actress. Holy shit, is your sister blank? But nope, that part went right over my head. And you know what? Even in writing this, it went right over my head again because as I hear her drop this name, I still don't put it together. And I went to Google one of the names that the mom says because I'm like, well, if the daughter is a singer-songwriter, then she probably has some kind of a website or a YouTube channel or something. So I literally have to type it in and intentionally spell out the last name. I'm literally writing it out. And it still didn't even sink in until the search results came up and I saw her pictures pop up in the little knowledge panel and I went, holy shit, that's Lindsay Lohan. That's Lindsay Lohan's mom. Listen to this clip. This is the very beginning of the conversation. And even her sister, I swear to God, now now that you know, it almost you, it it sounds like Lindsay Lohan a little bit. Like you can like you can hear that it's her sister. It's wild. Where are you guys from? New York. Nice. You're on business. What's the biz? Take a wild guess. Music. Nice. I'm I'm uh I'm not from here, so real estate finance. Where are you from? Louisville, Kentucky. Oh nice, nice. Yeah, so I host a podcast and I'm down here to do an episode of the show. Music. <laughs> How do you feel about rap music? 
Love it. Really? Yeah. Okay. God hears everything, so. Kanye <laughs> is the man. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> like, first of all, yes, people do other things in Nashville. When she said take a wild guess, I'm thinking um, bachelor party. And she's like, oh, music. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. And then when I guess country music, like, okay, if you're here for music, you're probably here for country music, right? Christian music. Again, not what I was expecting to hear. And I, I love that Duffel Bag Boy starts playing. You could just hear it start going. And then it's like, yeah, <laughs> what do you think about rap music? So, yeah, as the ride went on, we kept talking. And they were both very nice. Aliana was very sweet. But just by the way that Dina butted in and couldn't stand if the subject of the conversation wasn't about her being the mom or the manager of her kids or how she used to be a triple threat on Broadway. Like, we literally had that conversation. She just seemed like a very narcissistic control freak that cared more about being in the spotlight than genuinely caring for what's actually best for her kids. And for the record... Her Wikipedia page literally reads, Dina has been the subject of media scrutiny and criticism that claims she is exploiting her daughters, Allie and Lindsay Lohan, for personal fame. This is the same woman that has exploited her daughters at every turn, even going so far as to grant E.T. an exclusive while she put little Aliana on a plane and cameras in front of Lindsay's face when she was in rehab. And I got to tell you, listen, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just don't buy the Christian music thing. And I'm so glad that I asked that question the way that I did when I said, are you actually about this or are you just sliding into the space because you see a way to make money? Which, look, that's fine, but just be honest about it. Like, if you spot a market that you think that you can capitalize on and slide in and take advantage and, and like fill a need there and make money doing it, then far be it from me to judge you for that, all right? But be honest about it. Don't sell me that you're this extremely religious person, but then, you know, deep down, like, are you? Or are you doing this because you think this will bring you relevancy or fame or clout or money? And I, I just, I don't know, I feel for Aliana because I feel like her mom is just the one that's instigating all this stuff and like driving her and in, in, in like um, pressuring her to do it, you know? And I, I, I just, I have a healthy skepticism about anybody that's in religion for profit. Now, maybe that's because I grew up watching the cult of Cartman and saw how easy it was to write Christian songs and how gullible the people buying them were. But I don't think that, even though it's a South Park episode, I don't think that that's too far off from real life. All right? I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. So anybody that's in religion for profit, I, I just, I just, I'm not buying that. And even on Aliana's wiki page, it says that she converted to Buddhism after being raised in Catholicism, and then it says she is now a Christian music artist. So forgive me for having doubts, but I'm calling bullshit. And you know what? I genuinely feel bad for her. I genuinely do. I really do. I think she, you know, it's, it's, 
it's hard. Like it's it's hard to tell your mom no. And I just think that she's in a tough place right now. I I don't think she's she probably understands like she would be better off going out and doing it for herself, like on her own. Um, I'm sure that her mom has been able to open some doors and I'm sure that her mom does work hard on the stuff that she wants to work on that's also in her best interest. But that's the thing is I, I just... I think it's more about the mom and her legacy rather than it is what's actually best for Aliana or Lindsay or their two sons, her two sons. So, and just to cover myself here, okay, the legalese, crime family like Genovese, Tennessee is a one-party consent state, meaning as long as I know that the conversation is being recorded, I am totally within my rights to record it and do whatever the hell I want with that audio. And nothing I just said was defamatory because it's all 100% true or it's merely a statement of opinion. This is real talk, baby. I don't make false statements, so I'm good. In the words of Ricky Rose, fuck with me. You know I got it, all right? So I'm good. Um, another ride went by. And then I got this one-liner from a guy that just had an incredible standalone quote. This man and his wife got in, and he had two prosthetic arms and a leg that didn't bend at the knee. And so he had to get in the car awkwardly and keep his leg up on the seat in his wife's lap. And I wondered what could have resulted in sustaining those types of injuries, so I asked the question. Are you a veteran, man? What what happened? Uh, This happened after I got out. I was electrocuted 20 years ago. Uh, crane operator stuck me into a light power line and I took 72.6. Jesus Christ. Do you remember it? No, sir. Now, I was about 40 foot in there and they say I landed 80 foot away from the truck, so. Coma for nine minutes? After. Do you remember anything about the coma? No. And I died three times, and I didn't see any of the white lights and all like they say, so. What were you doing when it, uh, when you got the, the, the shock, I guess? Working high line. We were changing out insulators, restretching wire. Is that like normal kind of power lines? Yes, or like normal kind of power lines. I shut down about a quarter of Amarillo, Texas. I blew breakers for miles. Transformers. That statement alone, I shut down Amarillo, Texas. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm glad you made it through, man. Me too. (laughs) That's wild, man. I still can't get over that one. He said 72.6. Does that mean like, that means like 72,000 volts, right? I don't know. I, I just. I don't know, but the fact that that dude lived to tell that tale is nuts. He was one of the last rides that I gave on Friday night, and I called it around 5 p.m. because I was getting hungry, and so I went to grab a bite at a restaurant downtown. It was pretty good. I got to try a few things, and I brought some leftovers home that my buddy gobbled up, and then I was trying to muster up the energy to go back out, but once I hit the couch, I was done, man. Later that night, the buddy that I was staying with and his roommate asked if I wanted to play Monopoly. I said, 
I'd be down for some games. The roommate said, uh-huh, I like how you didn't say Monopoly. And I was like, I mean, I'll play Monopoly if you guys want to play Monopoly. And they insisted that we did. And what transpired for the next several hours was a display of what can only be described as the pettiest, most pathetic show of gamesmanship out of both players that I've ever been a part of. Worst people to play with. And it brought the vibe to a screeching halt. And even though it's just a stupid fucking game, let's just say that things were said. And it brought some issues and themes to the surface. And I was confronted with a line in the sand moment for me as being the moment I knew things were never going to be the same in terms of our relationship. And that is where I leave you. (laughs) When we return next Wednesday, I will tell you the story, what was said, and also some tips on how to dominate the game of Monopoly. And also, we haven't even gotten to Saturday yet. I have lots of TikTok audio, a very good discussion with big picture takeaways as it relates to the life choices that we make in our 20s and 30s and the two different routes that people go down. Um, I ran into a couple of guys that I knew from way back that grew up in Louisville and were like, hey, aren't you Ben Tompkins? I was like, yeah, man, what's good? Nice to see you again. And I got to tell you about my boys. An absolutely hilarious story about how we met. It was so random. I wasn't even online. I literally just walked into a garage and started kicking it with these kids. And we got an all-timer for the TikTok account. So I'll play that for you next week. And I was very fortunate to partner with Big Shake's Hot Chicken and Fish. And that was something that I treated my friends Garrett and Gabby to on Sunday. So when part two drops, I will detail this incredible feast that we had at Big Shake's and wrap up the episode with a handful of closing thoughts and reflections on the trip. Okay, so that'll be next Wednesday. Until then, be well, my friends. Drop a rating and a review and come back next week for Uber Stories Nashville Part 2. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's real talk.